What's up, Fight Fans, and welcome back to the second episode of The Mat on the Final Timeout Sports. Today's episode, we are going to be breaking down the main event of UFC 276 from this past weekend. We're going to be breaking down our bets and our calls, how we did, and then we're going to look ahead, talk a little bit about this uh, lightweight event that we have coming up this weekend. So, without further ado, Nando, how'd you do with your calls this past week? This past week... I went 8 for 11 at UFC 276. Um, funny enough, Forbes, um, I got that uh, the Stolyarenko armbar um, during the first fight of the prelims, but I did fall short. I uh, predicted that uh, Strickland was going to beat Pereira, which uh, turned out to be a terrible prediction. I also was wrong when it came to uh, Brad, no nickname, Tavares against <laughs> Duplessis, and um, also wrong with the other Brad, the Quake, Riddell against, you know, Jalen Tarantula, Turner. How'd you do? Yeah, you know, I also went 8 for 11. Funnily enough, we got the, the three we each got wrong were, were different. Um, you know, definitely unfortunate we're supposed to have a 12th fight in the O'Malley fight but we'll talk about that one later mm-hmm. um I did not get the Stoliarenko armbar I, I was <laughs> wrong on that one um and I was also wrong on the last fight on the early prelims I, prelims I had uh Uriah Hall by unanimous decision ended up being Muniz by unanimous decision in a pretty dominant win and then I went out on a, a limb a little bit and said that I thought Holloway was gonna be triumphant in uh his third fight against Volkanovski, but uh, it simply wasn't even close. I mean, uh, Volkanovski outworked him, uh, just made it look easy. So, I mean, again, we'll, we'll get into that one later. But, yeah, I mean, uh, three wrong for each of us out of, uh, out of 11, 12 fights. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. So I'm going to just start it off and talk about the, uh, the Muniz O'Malley disappointment. I mean, uh, there's, Indeed. yeah, I, I mean, there may be one other fighter with uh, as much hype as, as Sean O'Malley, and that would be probably McGregor, um, maybe not even McGregor anymore. Um, and it was just a disappointment, you know, the first uh, round, they were definitely feeling each other out, trying to just, um, you know, download each other's uh, tendencies, see if they could figure each other out. Um, a, lot of, a lot of low kicks from Muniz, uh, uh on O'Malley, O'Malley was able to um, check a lot of them, um, and then second round, a um, couple minutes in, uh, there was I guess an eye poke. It didn't, you know. I saw, I've seen the replays. Didn't didn't really look that bad. Uh, Munez, you know, said something. They stopped it. Obviously, um, he and you know, when if you have something like that, if you have a low blow, you get five minutes to recover. He used uh, only one minute before. He either withdrew or the doctor told him to withdraw. I can't imagine the doctor told him to withdraw. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Uh, again, like you know, we're not in there, we don't see it or we don't feel it, so it's hard to see uh, really how much damage is done. But um, you know, I've seen pictures. I remember um, seeing DC Daniel Cormier's uh, eye after his uh, third fight with Stipe Miocic, oh, and yeah. his eye was messed up. It was bloodshot. It was swollen. Um, and yesterday I saw a picture, I think it was actually earlier today, I saw a picture of, uh, of Muniz and, 
you know, his eyes open, there's maybe a little bruising, but he looks at nothing in his eye. It's all around it. Um, and he also claimed that the eye poke was a continuation of an eye poke that he got, he sustained in the first round that was missed along with a low blow. So he, it seemed like he was trying to throw, you know, everything in the kitchen sink in the, um, <laughs> in the excuse bin. So just disappointing. I don't see O'Malley coming back and, and rematching this one. Um, I, I see him definitely probably fighting another um, bantamweight uh, about that, you know, in the kind of 10 to 8 range um, before he, you know, signs a, a big, big contract. And, you know, then he'll probably, depending obviously how he does, you know, go for a, go for a title. But um, – I don't see this being a, a, a rematch, but I, I do see O'Malley going for the next kind of caliber as Munoz in his, in his next fight. What do you think? Yeah, to keep this one short, I mean, I definitely think this was, you know, Sugar Show's fight to win. You know, I think he was definitely going to win this one. Um, you know, definitely an unfortunate way to end the fight, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, so I think this would be a perfect segue to Bryant and Bam Bam Barbarena. Versus, you know, Robbie Lawler, uh, you know, take us through that one. It was tough to see Lawler go down, but did we know this? Yeah, I mean, this is one that we both un- unfortunately got right. Neither of us were happy to, to call it like that. Um, it was, yeah, it was tough. There were there were times when Robbie was looking, you know, all right, but and fast and pow- powerful, but, you know, nothing nearly close enough to be able to win this one or, or, or um, really put Bam Bam in, in some trouble. Um, on the other side, yeah, Bam Bam was, was looking good. Um, he was outworking Robbie. Um, his strikes were seeming to land hard, um, which on Robbie is saying something. Um, he landed 148 strikes, um, and 147 of those were significant strikes. So. He was landing, and he was landing clean. Um, so I think overall just a, a good win by Barbarena. Um, be interesting to see if he fights next slash who he would fight. Um, but, yeah, it was it was fun to watch. It was, you know, especially after the, the disappointment of the first um, fight and the O'Malley fight. Um, it was nice to see, you know, some, some action. So moving on from the, the Bam Bam Lawler fight onto uh, one of the quickest and most exciting fights on the card, Sean Strickland versus Pereira. Um, happy to, to throw this one in your face a little bit that, uh, that I was right and you were wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know uh, Pereira just fought a perfect two and a half minutes or whatever, and you know, next steps for him most likely going to be a, a title challenge at middleweight against Izzy. Uh, but we can uh, dive deeper into that when we talk about uh, the Izzy Cannoneer fight later. But I'm going to start off first and just say that Strickland, I will give him props. He took the fight as a fourth-ranked middleweight uh, against the uh, a completely unranked guy, and he had just about nothing to win in that um, and except maybe say, um, you know, I beat this guy. I deserve a full title shot. But... Um, he he just he seemed like he had a terrible game plan. He went into it with just standing straight up. You can't fight one of the best kickboxers in the world just straight up. You need to do level changes. He needed to get in close, ideally do some damage with his elbows, um, get the fight to the ground. I mean, it was just 
it was pretty bad. And then, and I also felt like his he was too nonchalant out there, acting like he could just walk around, kind of arms loose, legs just kind of skipping back when he was trying to avoid kicks. Um, so, you know, props to him for taking the fight. Uh, that's the only positive thing I have to say about him um, because otherwise it was nice to see an annoying troll like that just get knocked out. Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe it'll humble him a little bit. I doubt it. He'll probably be back to making fun of guys who can beat him up in a couple of days. But let me know. What do you think about that one? No, I mean, it was it's tough when you're, you know, your prediction can't even last three minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, very tough. But I knew Pereira could definitely, you know, catch him with a big shot. But, I mean, I thought Strickland could hold it down, but safe to say he did not. I mean, about the fight itself, I mean, Pereira was patient, you know. He was kind of doing this, like, little bounce around and then would, you know, fire in really quick, you know, mm-hmm. fast twitch. Um, he would throw a quick jab, you know. He looked unbelievably comfortable, um, as well with as well as with these little leg kicks here and there. Um, whereas Strickland, honestly, was like, he was doing this weird little fidgety thing with his hands. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He also <laughs> was like getting close, but like you know, shouldn't be that close to a guy that can just strike you so quick, you know. Um, and to quote DC himself, you cannot play with this dude. <laughs> Alex Pereira was, was unbelievable, and you have to tip your hat to him. He's an incredible fighter. Yeah, um, and I'm excited to, to dive deeper into that one um, in, uh, in a couple minutes after we talk about uh, an absolute brawl in the Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway uh, trilogy fight. You got me on this one. Uh, I did take a chance and, and say that it was going to be Holloway via TKO. Um, I based that off of his two knockdowns in, in um, fight two and the improvement he had. But mm-hmm. um, fair. Volkanovski was just levels and levels ahead. Um, uh, for Max, I mean, yeah, tough fight. He you know, seemed like he truly did his best, but it, it was – you know, nothing doing. When you're fighting a, a fighter of that class, there was just about nothing that he could uh, he could do there against him. And then once he especially opened up that nose, it was just absolutely leaking. It was um, covering the his shorts. I mean, it was it was insane. <laughs> the whole thing. But yeah, he was wearing white shorts at the beginning of the fight and red by the end. And uh, it was that was even as a UFC fan, I was struggling to watch that a little bit. But um, so kind of for next steps for, for Max, where do you see him going after this fight? And then where do you see uh, Alexander the Great going? Oof. That's, uh, that's definitely a tough question because as far as Alexander the Great, I mean, this dude, I've already, I've already gave my two cents on this guy. I mean, he is one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in this game. Um, he's just a tank. It's... It's unreal to say the least. Um, I don't even know what the future steps are for this guy. I don't think he has an opponent in this class, to, to say the least. I think that he is just unmatched, and whoever steps in the octagon with him will just take an L. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think there's anyone in the uh, the featherweight division right now that can fight him. I think that he 
uh, is thinking about uh, moving up to a lightweight belt um, and challenging for that uh, to become a, a two uh, division champ. And, and, you know, he says, I'm going to do it and I'm going to keep the um, divisions busy. Um, and I do believe him with that. I think that he's the type of fighter that he'll try and keep both belts simultaneous. He'll try and defend both. Um, so I, when it happens, I think it's going to be the biggest thing because Dana White's already, I think, expressed uh, his support in allowing uh, Volkanovski to go up and challenge uh, at lightweight. So the lightweight situation right now is it's most likely going to be Oliveira versus Islam mm-hmm. uh, fighting, I think, later, probably um, just about the end of this year. Um, and that the fight that fight ma- makes a big difference. If Oliveira wins, um, then I think Volkanovski immediately gets the shot. Um, I think if if Islam wins, then uh, Volkanovski could potentially. I'm sorry, Oliveira could potentially immediately get a rematch, or um, there just could be other challengers there. Um, when you have a dominant champion in Oliveira, um, it makes more sense to have this kind of culmination of title fights. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I honestly, I hope Oliviera wins, um, and I hope that um, we see another see this title challenge. I haven't seen one since uh, our boy Izzy tried to move up to light heavyweight against uh, Jan Polish Power. So um, I think that's a fight that every UFC fan would want to see. I mean, that's the the pure definition of a super fight. Um, so I think that would be a great path for for Volkanovski I think Holloway it's tough he could either you know be kind of the gatekeeper for the title in the featherweight uh, division you know he's not going to get a fourth fight against Volkanovski even if he wins all the right fights um, and it seems like he deserves it I doubt that's a fight that the UFC is going to make because it's probably not a fight that'll excite fans as much anymore even though all three of their fights have been extremely close and um extremely exciting um so there's that or um as he is getting a little older um weight cuts get harder he could move up a division and potentially um you know try in the lightweight division uh, i know mcgregor was doing some like joke stare down at max during uh like on tv um during one of the pressers um this past <laughs> week so there's there's an opportunity there for him um to have maybe a big uh a big money fight, which would be um, definitely big and, and honestly a fight that he could win given um, how McGregor's fought recently and also the fact that uh, that would be a rematch from earlier in their career, so so that would be kind of cool. Um, but either way, that was an absolute banger of, of a fight, and um, yeah, I... Uh, that that cut on Max's face might just live in my nightmares. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, before before we segue into Izzy Adesanya's you know title fight, um, can we just talk about just like Volkanovski for a second? I mean, like you're just looking at just pure control. Yeah. In the octagon, I mean, like you're also seeing this like killer countenance he f- maintains all fight long staring you down, you know, chatting a little shit yeah. here and there. I mean, as soon as the first bell rang, right? And it's just like, and then round two rolls along, and then next thing you know, Holloway's staining the entire octagon 
in his own blood. Like, it, unreal. I mean, yeah. he is really paving his name as one of the all-time greats in the game, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's, I think, he's the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter um, on the planet right now. Um, he's now definitely in the conversation for greatest featherweight of all time. Um, and he's just beginning. Like, he's, you know, he's now saying he's going to challenge up because he's beaten everyone in his division. Um, he's so good that he can tell Max Holloway, I'm too fast for you while they're fighting uh, and, not, <laughs> and, and not be worried about getting hit. So uh, it's a level of dominance that um, we don't often see, um, and it's definitely a privilege to see it. And speaking of another era of, of dominance, we can move on to Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya versus woo, woo. Jared, the killer gorilla, cannoneer. Adesanya came away with the unanimous decision. Tell me your thoughts on the fight, and then I do want to hear your thoughts on the fact that there were some people leaving the octagon uh, or leaving the stadium during Izzy's fight during the fourth and fifth round. So I want to hear your thoughts on how you thought Izzy fought and the perception of Izzy's fights recently and if it's justified. Yeah. Um, first with the fight, I mean, I'll keep it. Um, I'll keep it short. I mean, Izzy, as expected, was you know his elusive self. You know, comfortable in there, look as cool as the other side of the pillow. Honestly, <laughs> there, the way that he just throws jabs and lethal leg kicks with ease. You know, just tiring uh, Jared the Gorilla uh, Canonier out. Like it truly is. You know, a blessing to watch every time. But, you know, that being said, um, there is a style of his fighting as of late that, you know, has has been, you know, questioned and, and you know, lack of a better word, you know, people are saying that it could be perceived as a little boring because yeah. the re reality of the situation is, is that Israel Adesanya is one of those fighters that is capable of of literally winning every single fight by unanimous decision without having to knock them out. Because yeah. he knows how to sneak in those jabs, those leg kicks, tire guys out, get those hits, but also tire them out, and in doing so, basically evading what they throw at him because he's so elusive, because he's so quick. And yeah, that, I guess, is not what you know us UFC fans want to see all the time, especially, you know... Because it's a guy of his caliber that is capable of those, you know, insane roundhouse kicks, you know, for the knockout, you know, like he, he part of his game, you know, his style is like flashy, you know, cool kicks. He's incredibly athletic, you know, and and I guess, you know, last few fights he hasn't brought, I guess, what the fans wanted to see. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely been the perception of, of his recent fights. Um it is, you know, something to do with his style and the fact that, yeah, he's a kickboxer, he's lengthy, he's going to use that stab jab to really keep you away and control the octagon. Um, and the fact that he uses the leg kicks very well to keep you at bay. Um, and so it's a very technical way of fighting. And, and I think Izzy's, uh, one of his coaches after the fight was like, you know, I, I want my fighter to fight so that in 10, 20 years, he's 
um, doing just fine. Like, you know, we'll talk to some of these other fighters in 10, 20 years and see how they're doing, which to some extent is obviously fair. You got to think about the fighters longevity and, and everything. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a, uh, it's an entertainment industry, um, more so than any other sport. Um, so that I think is one of the things that excites me the most about, uh, Izzy's potential upcoming fight with Alex Pereira is the fact that everybody tries to kickbox Izzy when they fight him, um, and none of them can. That's why he hasn't lost in the middleweight uh, division. Um, and because no one's a better kickboxer than Izzy. And now you potentially have a guy who out kickboxed Izzy twice. Uh, one time ended up in a brutal knockdown. Um, so I think that this next fight, you know, some people were hoping that this fight would uh, be that type of fight to re-energize kind of Izzy's um, fight highlights. But... I think that doesn't work as well when you have a, um, you know, a Jared Cannonier who's going to play a very smart game um, and not put himself in much danger either. Well, you know, Izzy won't either, but he'll still get his strikes in. So I think this next fight is going to be um, a really exciting fight. My guess is it's um, sometime in January or February 2023. I hope it's end of this year, but I don't see that happening. Um, but either way, I I am definitely excited. All right, now we're going to transition to talking about the upcoming UFC fight card for this weekend. Rafael Dos Anjos versus uh, Rafael Ataman Fitziev, a lightweight bout. Uh, we're going to start off with the fight with my favorite fighter's name. We've got Michael Johnson versus Jamie Malarkey in a lightweight bout. <laughs> Nando, let me know what you think about this one. Well, I want to begin by saying I'm confused to see Jamie Malarkey as such the heavy favorite in this one. One could say it's freaking Malarkey. Right, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyways, Michael Johnson is the more athletic fighter in this one. He has the ability to get up protect himself from getting taken down and I think he'll be able to keep you know to keep this fight on his standing two feet um I mean at these odds plus 200 for Michael Johnson I think it's worth giving Johnson a good look Malarkey fell to Jalen uh Turner who we saw in the last um UFC weekend um via TKO and I think the same can happen again I'm gonna go round two knock out Michael Johnson Interesting. I uh, I also thought the uh, the odds were a little malarkey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Michael Johnson. I mean, he's one of the most interesting and streaky fighters in UFC history. Um, he's been in the UFC since 2010. He fought all in a row: Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier, Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, and Justin Gaethje over the span of three years. Um, and you know. Granted, he only won one of those four fights, but those are um, some brutal, brutal guys to fight. Um, and he's beat Poirier during that span and also beat Tony Ferguson, um, who's obviously, as we know, absolutely legendary. Um, but he has one win uh, in five fights since 2018, which my guess is why um, these odds have kind of come out like they, they have. But Malarkey is, is newer to the UFC, but he's been fighting for a while. He's, he made his fighting 
debut in 2013. He even fought uh, Volkanovski uh, at lightweight before both of them made their UFC debuts. Just a little interesting fact. But that being said, I think the experience of Michael Johnson uh, and just the cage time that he has is overwhelming uh, malarkey, and I go with uh, unanimous decision uh, for Johnson. I don't, I'm not sure if he still has um, that knockout power, but um, I would, I would take him as a plus 200 uh, underdog rather than malarkey, who is a minus 240 favorite. All right, all right. So for this next one, Forbes, uh, this one's a full mouthful. Said. Uh, Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov. Yep. Same thing. Again, well. uh, respectfully. <laughs> versus Douglas Silva. We're going to keep it short. Yep. Um, who do you got? I got uh, I got Douglas in this one. Um, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, so, got Douglas opening up as a plus 270 underdog, and uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov is a, a minus 340 favorite. Um, I had a tough time going against... Uh, Said in this one, I mean, he's a Russian wrestler, um, so that usually should tell you just about all you need to know. Um, with two losses and only one in the UFC, um, so I, I see him taking the fight to the ground, trying to do some grappling and, and, and trying to get a submission early. Um, but Douglas is also a quality fighter. Um, his two, his only two losses um, that haven't gone the distance. Uh, were two finishes by Pieter Jan and Rob Font, um, mm-hmm. two of the best uh, bantamweights in the game, Pieter Jan being a former champion. Um, so I, I think this is going to be an interesting fight either way. Um, and again, I could see it going either way, but I think that um, technically we're going to see Douglas win by unanimous decision. How about you? Yeah, so I mean, Douglas Silva... Uh, is 37, you know, he's been an awesome striker, demonstrating his power in the octagon, as well as his ability to get down and dirty on the mat, um, you know, as he was able to submit Sergey Morozov earlier this year in February. That being said, though, I do like Saeed to win quite comfortably. Um, you know, he shows good patience, he gives himself some room between him and his opponent, allowing him to strike him on his command, while also exercising his remarkable striking Remarkable, sorry, striking ability while making it, you know, much harder to be hit. Um, Said will definitely take this one with ease and in style. I say round one knockout. Whew. Yeah, if not, he'll win by unanimous decision, but I'm, I'm going round one. All right, that's, uh, we're really at odds for that one. We might have to think of a, uh, a punishment for the loser or something. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll discuss that one uh, next week. And then uh, finally, yeah, we got. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fitziev. Um, Battle of the Rafas. Yeah, yeah. We uh, there, there wasn't one playing tennis this weekend, so we uh, we had to have some fighters. Um, but Dos Anjos, former champion, um, veteran. You know he's been around for a while, so he's gonna feel comfortable in the environment, being a a, a main um, or a headline event. Um, Fitziev, you know, I think, I believe this is his first main event. I think it's going to be interesting. He's young in the UFC, uh, but he has been, you know, making waves, especially uh, his knockout of, uh, I think it was Brad Riddell in UFC Fight Night in, uh, on December 4th last year. So, um, 
you know, he, he's been making his way through the lightweight division. Um, I think that he's going to be a title challenger soon and that um, right now Dos Anjos is, is just a, a stepping stone in, in his way. Interesting. I think this is a very interesting matchup as Fitziev is the relatively heavy favorite to win this one. I think RDA has shown that he has great cardio, and Fitziev is definitely an unbelievable kickboxer and striker with a strong ability to throw combos. But, you know, that could really put people to sleep. Um, you know, the veteran RDA is definitely a superior grappler, and I mean, I do fancy his chances of winning by decision if he can tire and wear Fitziev down. You know, but that being said, I don't think that'll happen. Um, instead, I'm going to go with Fitziev um, to trump the uh, to trump the vet fighting out of Rio. Um, I'll take him with a round two knockout. I fancy that decision as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have uh, Fitziev coming in a minus two twenty uh, favorite with Dos Anjos as a plus one eighty underdog. We're saying hammer Fitziev on that one. Those are the fights that we thought were the most important from this card coming up this weekend. We think a little bare bones, so um, we'll get back with you next week talking about how our picks went and the card that's coming up week after. So thanks, and we'll see you soon.